Coming down the runway now is Reagan in her finest bedgown with hints of split pea soup vomit. See how she floats down the runway with her special crucifix accessory. Every head will turn when you are seen wearing this outfit for a night on the town. And now it's time for the newest episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Welcome, one and all, to another trendy episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. This is episode 232 that we are calling Killer Fashion. Horror movies involving (laughs) clothing. Huh. Now, I bet you're wondering, how can we do a show based on clothes? Well, you're just going to have to wait and find out. Now, if this is your first time listening to Attack of the Killer podcast, I'm going to tell you what we are all about. We are a horror movie podcast. We're a group of friends. We get together. We talk about our common bond, which is horror movies. We pick a topic. We talk about movies within that topic. And we talk open and freely, so there might be spoilers. Consider yourself warned. Now, if you are a longtime listener of Attack of the Killer podcast and you aren't getting enough of us in your life... Well, you can fix that right now by becoming an attacker. An attacker helps support the show and keep the lights on. So thank you for that. Um, We are forever grateful to all of our attackers for supporting the show and how our gratitude and how to show how we show our gratitude is when you become an attacker, we shower you with all kinds of goodies and bonus content such as your very own official certificate and membership card, bonus episodes, uh, so you can get Attack of the Killer podcast every single week. You can also get our various video series, such as video updates, killer critiques, and Insane Mike's One Minute Top Ten list. There is so much more that you can get by becoming Attacker. Uh, Don't take our word for it. Just ask our newest Attacker, Dustin Kurtzinger. Dustin! That's right. You can even get a shout out on the show, just like our good friend Dustin. Dustin! I shouted. Maybe that's he part did. of it. That's awesome. Dustin Kurtzinger even suggested the topic for our newest bonus episode. So thank you, Dustin, for supporting the show. And more importantly, thank you for listening and being a fan. It's awesome. Thanks, Dustin. You're awesome. Thanks, Dustin. Thanks, so Dustin. You too can be as cool as Dustin by going to jointheattackers.com. Pick the tier that best suits you and get all the bonus content that you desire. Again, you go to jointheattackers.com and become an official attacker today. Now to tell us all about high fashion, if high fashion means ordering shirts from Fright Rags or Rotten Cotton, here is (laughs) the podcast crew. He wanted to be a fashion designer, but they said he was too closed-minded. Tad, everybody. Oh, hey, guys. Thanks for listening. His best friend is a deaf fashion model. When he was on the runway, he can't hear the announcers, so he had to use closed captions. Andy! <laughs> oh, wow. uh, <laughs> yeah, hi. Hi. I'm glad you're still listening at this point. <laughs> 
He doesn't like magazine models. He thinks they're all just a bunch of posers. Jason! Hey, that was actually pretty funny. First time, 10 years. <laughs> hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. And now, for someone who knows more about fashion <laughs> than, than all four of us combined, our very special guest from the Bizarre Buffet podcast, Mike Tor- Torello. Hello, Mark Toriello is Toriello, here. damn it. I still did it right. <laughs> <laughs> It's bound to happen. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. Thanks for being on the show, man. Thank you so much for reaching out to me. Why don't you tell our listeners out there a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, hey, guys. I'm a uh, fashion designer based out of New Jersey, and my fashion designs are highly inspired by uh, horror movies and new wave music from the 80s. So I get a lot of inspiration, you know, from Susie and the Banshees to Freddy Krueger, you know, iconic people. And um, aside from that, I am part of a podcast called Bizarre Buffet, where we go over a wide variety of topics and we have guest stars that, you know, embalm people, um, you know, (laughs) different obscure performance artists, and we just cover all topics weird. It's a great show, man. I've been listening to it. I, I freaking love it. It's awesome. Thank you. You bet. Okay, guys, uh, before we get into things, I need to address one of our listeners really quick. Uh-oh. Yep. You. No, no, not you. You. Yeah, you. Why Me? haven't you signed up for Shutter yet? <laughs> Come on. Give them the Let's hear spot. your excuse. I knew it. You have no excuse. If you have a love for horror at any level, you should be watching Shudder. Shudder is an amazing streaming service for all things horror. Check it out for yourself with a month for free thanks to us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. If you enter our promo code AOTKP, you will get your first month of Shudder for free. There. No more excuses. Do it. Speaking of excuses, here's Tad with what we watched. Okay, that might be the worst segue you've ever Maybe done. Maybe ever. Uh, yeah, I have no idea what that meant. But I wasn't even uh, ready. I was like, <laughs> what's happening? Uh, Jason, what have you watched recently? Oh, man, I got a few things. Um, so Tina and I just go crazy over stand-up comedy. We watch everything and and everything. And uh, one of my – both of our favorite uh, new comedians just had a new Netflix special, Nate Bargatze. Uh, the average, the greatest average American, and this dude is so funny, guys. So funny. Yeah. Yep. Even funnier than Mike? Barely. <laughs> That's a tall order. <laughs> then we watched uh, Tina did her magical, I guess I just push go, and we'll just see what happens without even looking at what the hell the movie is. Crazy person. Uh, she picked uh, I Care A Lot. Uh, that uh, just came out. I've heard this is pretty good. Yep, with Roseman Pike and Peter Dinklage and other people. Chris oh, Messina. Okay. Yep. Um, let's see what it says. A uh, court-appointed legal guardian defrauds her older clients and traps them under her care. But her latest mark comes with some unexpected baggage. <gasps> this movie's good, and it's great, and it pissed me off. <laughs> I almost... This, 
just because of what this lady was doing. And I believe that it, I mean, it's so good that it makes you think it happens in real life. This woman just scams old people, puts them in homes and takes over as their legal, legal guardian. And like, it just, it's just so efficient in the way the story's told. It feels fucking real. And I was getting so mad. I'm like, there can't be people like this out there. I was, oh my goodness. But then she picks the wrong old lady. The golden goose turns out to be the mother of somebody bad. And it is and so like so it's kind of weird. There's a bad guy chasing a bad guy in a movie, but anyway, it's it it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Mm. And I believe that was on Netflix too. And then lastly, yes. did, you, did you did you see it, Tad? Or you just No, it, it's it's a Netflix original. It's uh it's it had some Golden Globe nominations. Oh, nice! Yeah, oh yeah, Roseman's awesome in it, and Peter Dinklage always great. So, totally recommend it. And then, uh, lastly, I can't believe I got this far. I've been here without even mentioning this to Mike yet, or even asking him if you watched the Snyder Cut yet. I haven't had because that time. depends on how much I'll say. So then, I guess I won't say much because. Uh, if anyone knows Mike, and if you've been listening for 10 years or 10 minutes, uh, just heads up. Insane Mike is the biggest DC fan known to man that I've ever known, the biggest comic book geek I've ever, ever known. And and uh, When he got circumcised, they called it the Snyder Cut. Exactly. <laughs> what? Um, I... And... and it took him four hours to do it. And I, I, and I, I, <laughs> i just if you know mike he i'm sure he said it before like if he could if you could have met uh teenage mike never in a million years would he have thought he would have actually gotten his justice league movie and and we all know about the snyder cut and and some of the turmoils of the original version and this version and this might come as a shock to you but holy fuck i loved it oh my god i don't you know, I, I try not to skew things too much, and I know you'll you're going to be watching it with different eyes than I ever could. Hold the phone. You loved a movie. I know that's right. Well, so. that's an interesting thing you bring up there, Tad. Because my question is like, well, now we have two versions of a movie that when you you saw the I, original, I loved you the loved original. the original so a million fucking times better. This this movie yeah. is incredible, and I'm going to talk it up forever. It's a perfect. It's just oh my god, I loved it. I didn't want it to end. It was so good. It was everything I love about superhero movies, and I never thought I would. So it's and it's solid. It's great. I mean. Whatever you said about Snyder before this, I guess, like, I don't know. He redeemed it because it's, it's wonderful. I loved it. But I know, shocker for me to love a movie. But <laughs> Well, I, honestly, I've yet to hear any negative reaction to it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to stay away from stuff on the internet. Absolutely, because it's out there. Everybody's got their face-to-face opinions. Snarky opinions, but, yeah. It's all been positive. So. Yeah, good. I'm glad. By people who generally diss the DC movies just because it's the thing to do. So. Yep, exactly. And so, I mean, I already said too much. I just wanted to say that I liked it, and I look forward to uh, your four-hour conversation about your thoughts after you see it. <laughs> so what are you doing? Let's get done with this so you can go watch it. Oh, my God. I don't have that kind of time yet. Whatever. It's four it's hours. It's split into chapters if you need to. Yeah. Yeah. 
but you won't be able to turn it off. I'm telling you, you I don't can. think I will. Anyway, so that's what I've watched. Okay, let's jump over to Andy. What have you watched recently? Um, I too watched the Snyder Cut. Uh, really, really liked it. Um, can't really say any more. That's what's already been said. Um, epilogue. God, wow. Uh, <laughs> but I also watched uh, Lucky on Shutter, which is a Bria Grant uh, movie. It's just basically she keeps. Uh, this writer keeps, uh, she starts to, you know, go to bed and then she goes to bed with, you know, her husband and whatnot. And he wakes up and it's like, her husband's like very nonchalant about it. When, when this starts happening, he's just like, oh, and because there's a break in at their home, he's just, oh, it's the guy that's going to try to kill us again. You know? And she's like, what, what are you talking about? And this keeps happening, and she keeps killing this guy, and he keeps coming back. And um, I'll leave it at that. The I thought the ending was just a little bit weird, but I think uh, if I understood the movie m- more, I would have liked it more. I didn't hate it, but I was just like, I was wondering what they're actually trying to get at. Um, I also watched Stay Out of the Fucking Attic, on on Shutter, which is like a sort of like a Nazi experiment movie in set in modern day time. Um, I'll leave it at that. Um, I'll let you guys make up your own mind about on that one if you guys decide to watch it. Um, anyway, on to my obscure stuff that Dad's probably rolling his eyes at me <laughs> right now. Um, I watched uh, Death Spa. Oh, sweet. Yeah, that movie's great. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's about a haunted computer in a health club. <laughs> um, you've uh, got Brenda Bakke from, uh, uh, Demon, who, who played Cordelia in Demon Knight. You've got, uh, Chelsea Field from, uh, I guess, Last Boy Scout, Dust Devil, stuff like that. And you actually have Kin Faree, which yeah. they barely, they barely use in this movie. So, I mean... The um the horror pedigree is actually there, but I mean it's it is what it is. Uh it's uh basically a lot of mishaps in a health club where the deaths are they have to be they're kind of elaborate because you know how how's a weight machine or a sauna gonna kill somebody? But um Well here's the thing I always find hilarious about that movie is you know, they make a big deal about how this computer controls this this health spa and the computer, mm-hmm. you know, gets haunted. So it's making the computer do bad things and kill people. But at what point ever in any technology has a computer been able to unscrew screws off of a diving board <laughs> or make yeah. frozen fish come to life and attack people? Oh God, yes. <laughs> or the blender. The blender, the blender that's yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. It's it's a good I'll just say this. I think it was even though it was made in like 1990 or whatever. Uh no, 80 87. So yeah, it's a good slice of uh 80s cheese if you're in the mood for that sort of thing. But um and the next one that I want to talk about, it's a independent film that actually took about 15 years to make um recently i've been reading up a lot about on uh charles manson much to the chagrin of my wife um because she thinks i'm weird 
Um, but this movie is, it's just called The Manson Family, and it started back uh, filming back in 1988, and it eventually got finally released in 2003 by some distributors from London, and it's, by today's standards, it's it's graphic, I mean, it's pretty, but it, and it's like, whoa, okay, man, they're really going for it, but then I think back to it. They started filming this back in 1988. So if the people saw this back in 1988, I mean, they probably saw a bunch of different cuts. They're probably going, holy shit, this guy's insane. And some of the backstories on this film, they have like this, uh, they have like this blood orgy where, and I'm sorry, they they uh they kill a dog on screen like they don't actually kill a dog tad fuck but, that yeah. movie um but uh the the actual manson family did kill dogs so which makes them even big pieces more bigger pieces of shit but uh they didn't actually harm a dog tad um but and they're pouring this blood all over themselves and they're having this crazy orgy and there's a hell of a lot of nudity in this nudity in this movie and keep in mind that it has to be 70s so lots of pubic hair folks um <laughs> but uh anyway the backstory to this is they're having like this crazy blood orgy they actually did acid they were method act- acting so i mean they were on acid while they were doing this this film i mean it's uh, it's, it's, I mean, I, I've seen crazier, grosser stuff, but I think like the backstory, if you watch like the, the documentary, it's called the Van, Be- the Van Beber family. If you watch like that, that, and then watch the movie, I mean, it almost makes the movie even more crazy, but, uh, have you guys, have any of you guys ever heard of this? Yep. Oh, big time. I'm, <clears throat> I've been a big Jim Van Be- Beaver fan. Um, dating all the way back to the 80s and i had a bootleg of footage from the manson family back mm-hmm. then they were calling it um charlie's family yes there was a yes. trailer that was made for it back then um and just waiting forever for this movie to ever come out or like a copy of it or anything because it you know, a lot of the footage i'd seen it looked like you know there could have been a completed movie and i didn't know what the holdup was didn't realize it was incomplete I mean, and knowing all that footage, watching it hundreds of times back in the 80s through bootleg (laughs) tapes and then seeing the final film, I I still really like it. Don't get me wrong, but uh, um, I think think the time lapse does hurt it a bit. The the whole intro and outro to the movie, I don't really care for too much. Uh, I think one of the cool things about it is like they play part of the movie almost documentary style where they interview people. So you're getting these actors back looking 15 years older without any makeup because they are 15 years older uh, being interviewed about what had (laughs) happened. And then you cut back to the shit that was shot in the 80s. So so that, that benefited it. But I feel like narratively in general, with whatever he originally intended to shoot for this film kind of maybe fell apart a bit. Um, and when he finished it, he just tried to finish it off as best he could. Cause it still feels like there's, there's as far as a narrative go, there's like chunks missing, but, um, and for those who are unaware of Jim Van Bever, um, but you watch Joe Bob, uh, what was it like last year? Joe Bob showed his movie, um, deadbeat at dawn. 
uh, Jim mm-hmm. Van Bever's uh, first feature. I remember when this finished version came out, you were freaking out. You oh, were, yeah. You were telling came everybody. out on Anchor <laughs> Bay. I still have that DVD. You have the unrated version? Uh, I'll have to check. I think so. Because the, the one on mine is uh, Dark Sky release. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to check. Because mine's the Anchor Bay. I don't remember. Back when Anchor Bay was Did trying stuff. to do more. Yeah, well, trying to do more instead of just re-releasing old stuff, trying to release new stuff. Anyway, that, that I really enjoyed it, um, and that's what I watched. All right, Mike, what have you watched recently? Okay, um, a couple that I'm going to bring up here. I'll start with uh, I watched Kids Ninety, the uh, oh yeah, uh, Celine Moon Fry, yeah, Celine Moon Fry documentary or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's hard to criticize it considering that it's a hundred percent real, real interviews, um, speaking from the heart. Um, and all of her old um, camera footage, because she filmed everything, which is so cool that she did that, and she still had all these tapes, and she decided to do something with it in this documentary. Um, but I will say, just as far as editing goes, the whole thing feels a little disjointed to me. I still enjoyed it, don't get me wrong. It was cool seeing seeing all this old 80s footage and kind of seeing um, the progression of her life from Punky Brewster to you know who she is now and... Through, Which is Punky Brewster. Back to Punky. Yeah, back to Punky Brewster. This is true. Um, through through the lens of her camera during the time, and that is so freaking cool. But there's just moments where I'm just like, wait, what happened or what's going on? They mentioned somebody dying in a car accident, and I don't find out until the very end of the movie who they're referring to. Um, so, yeah, so it, it felt a little disjointed, but I still think it's worth a watch, and it was a really, really cool way of doing a documentary with real footage from all that time. Uh, I watched another one called Max Reloaded and the Nether Blasters uh, came out in 2020. Uh, basically, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's kind of a slacker comedy. Uh, you know, I always enjoy clerk style thing. These, these three kids work in this video game store and, you know, they, you know, they play online and all this stuff and they have their online team and what have you. Um, and the main kid, he's this huge video game nerd, and he magically gets a hold of this never-released video game cartridge, kind of like Atari-style-looking cartridge. Um, and he plays it, and it basically unleashes evil across the land, and him and his friends have to de- team up with the original creator of the game to to stop him, uh, to stop the evil. It's it's pretty funny. It's got a great supporting cast, Um Greg uh, Grunberg, you know, from Heroes and Big Ass Spider, uh, he's in it. He plays the guy who invented the game. So he's in the movie a lot, and he steals the show. He is absolutely hilarious in this movie. Uh, Lynn Shea is also in it, and Kevin Smith is in it as well. I'll say, um, now we know why you watched it. Yep, yeah, as soon as you <laughs> said. <laughs> With uh, Brandy still on her Lynn Shea kick, that is why we watched it, absolutely. But it was definitely worth the watch because I thought it was really hilarious and a lot of fun. Um, uh, you know, Kevin Smith is a little over the top. but uh, what? When is he not, I guess. But I, I highly recommend it. Um, where did we watch it? I'm trying to remember. I, can't, I think it may have been on Tubi. Of course it was Tubi. We always watch Tubi. <clears throat> The last one I want to bring up, my favorite of what I've watched recently. Oh, man. Have you guys – I'm hoping maybe at least one of you guys have heard of this before. It's called Antrim, Deadliest Movie Ever Made. It came out in 2018. Anybody? 
I love that movie. I saw it. Nice. Cool. And you're still alive. That's good. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, um, it's, and again, this was a Tubi watch, but basically this, this movie is so unique. I, I freaking loved it. And I got really sucked into the mythology of this movie. I really, really did. Um, Basically, it, the it's a movie within a movie where a young boy and a girl enter the forest to dig a hole to hell to save the soul of their dead dog, which sounds ridiculous, right? Um, and they say that this movie that's within the movie, Antrim, is to be a cursed film that came out in the late 70s and had disappeared forever because anytime anybody has ever watched it, they ended up dying. Uh, so much so that it played at one film festival, and that mo- and that at that film festival, the theater burnt the ground after the viewing, um, killing everybody inside. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, um, so it starts off as this documentary, a lot of talking heads talking about this rumored cursed film, blah 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 blah, and then it cuts to like the the narrator saying, "Well, we have uncovered the film Antrim, and we're going to present it to you now," and you know. And just be warned, the producers of this film take no responsibility for the consequence, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah. it's like, oh, man. And then it plays through. And the, actually, the movie within the movie, I found really entertaining. The an- Antrim itself, I found really captivating. You know, just this uh, this uh, girl and this boy trying, you know, camping out in the woods, trying to dig this hole to hell. And um, all the weird, weirdo wackiness stuff they in- they find in the woods during all this. And I found it very atmospheric, all of it, you know, the documentary stuff. I really let it get to me, seek into my brain and get really involved in the experience of it. So when the movie actually started, I was sucked in and a little un- unnerved and on edge. And it's got a really cool score that's un- uneasy. Um, it has a very good 70s look, but just, you know, being... Well, fuck, being a kid of the seventies, you can you can tell there's a lot of filters, a lot of fake filters on this thing, sure. <clears throat> um and uh uh but there's like all these weirdo messages and flashing images that happen throughout the film that also create a sense of uneasiness. Um so and then by the end of the film it goes back to the documentary and explaining what you just saw as far as like these weird um hidden messages that you see throughout the movie. So it's really cool spotting all those messages and then really adds to the creepiness of the whole thing when it's explained to you what those messages are supposed to be about and whatnot. The part of the movie that that creeped me out the most, and I thought it was freaking amazing. I loved it so much. At one point of the movie, the movie just stops, cuts to black, and you're just watching this black screen when all of a sudden you realize you're looking at a face and that face starts to become a little more clearer, and it's the face of a demon that's just staring right back Ooh. at you. And as it's staring back at you, it just starts to get this evil smile on its face. It's really unnerving, guys. I'm I'm not kidding. <laughs> it was really I I really got let myself get sucked into this thing. It was I thought it was a great great experiment in like low budget filmmaking, making great use of some different techniques to sell to tell. A simplistic story with little to nothing, next to nothing. Uh, I thought it was very well craft, crafted, and I was uneasy the whole time. But uh, Mark, I'm excited to hear that uh, that I now know somebody else who's watched this movie. What do you think of it? I loved it, and my favorite part is what you just mentioned, like those weird subliminal 
like messages that were kind of in the film and that shot with that demon just staring at you for like a good minute was like whoa yeah Yeah. (laughs) really it was it was like eerie as hell and like nothing really rattles me but that one definitely is memorable i'll admit I will admit this. I, at one point during the movie, I pulled out my phone and started doing research on this movie just to make sure it's fake. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like I mean, I know it's fake. I know it's fake. I went IMDb right there, and like these people that are in this movie that's supposed to be a movie from the 70s still have acting credits today and they don't look any older. So obviously it's fake, but I still went down that rabbit gotcha. hole because I. It's pretty well done if they had you. Making yeah. sure, double checking. Yeah, yeah it, it got me sucked in. It really did. I highly recommend it. But yep, that's what I watched. Okay, Mark, what have you watched recently? All right, so recently I just got into this Netflix series. It's called Unwell. And what it is, it's kind of like documentary style. And what they do is they kind of go and research these weird wellness trends that are kind of questionable. So in like one episode, they have like these muscle dudes that like to chug breast milk. Because um, <laughs> <that they're, laughs> it's just what, it's what you do. Um, so like, yeah, like then that episode, you know, like they're getting like breast milk from like women that are like pumping their milk on Facebook, um, you know, and it's cool because they have like the people that are into this, like the consumers, right? And then they kind of interview people that are um, practitioners and then they have people that are skeptical. So they bring you this topic and they give you different angles, um, you know, that are for or against it. And then, you know, at the end of each episode, you know, you are left with your own opinions. Some of the other things that they did is they researched bee sting therapy and a lot of people like to, you know, get stung by bees because it helps with, um, you know, different ailments. Like one guy, I think he, he said he had cancer and he did bee sting therapy and it like went away. But then there's other people that are like, no, you shouldn't be doing this. Like this is unsavory. You can't. (laughs) And what, what I really liked is, um, they went, they went after like the essential oils people and like that whole trend. And they just, they really like highlighted the fact that a lot of it is just bullshit and a giant MLM scheme. Um, So that's something that's like interesting. I haven't finished it. There's other topics uh, that they go over, but I thought the breast milk one was kind of interesting. Um, Aside from that, I just recently rewatched the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Yes. Just because Mm. it's like a time honored classic that you should bust out once a year. Mm. Um, You know, I, I just think visually that movie is amazing. It's all angular. It's very avant-garde. It's, you know, it's even the, the, um, the story itself is just kind of bizarre so that's one I always appreciate. And then I also just watched this other horror film called The Lodge. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. have you guys seen it before? Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay, so you guys know. But I really appreciated that one. And I know, like, the people that did Goodnight Mommy did that. And I just, I like that Alicia Silverstone had, like, a hot minute oh, in the good. movie. Oh, geez. Uh, Such a- 
Yeah. We won't spoil that, you know? but yeah. Yeah, so she had, like, a moment. And I really like the fact that, you know, it's kind of like a revenge story. And I, I like some good old-fashioned revenge. And I don't know. I don't want to have... Do you guys do spoilers on your show or no? Yes, definitely. But that one's still kind of new, so... Okay. I don't think so I'll pump the brakes. Maybe. <laughs> Just because it's so good. We want people to watch it. Yeah. So I would, I would highly recommend it. For mm-hmm. sure. So those are the three movies I just recently watched. Awesome. Awesome. Tad, what have you been watching? Nice. Well, as you guys know, I've um, been cranking through the Oscar list of nominees to get ready for um, my Oscar podcast next month. And uh, so I checked out Hillbilly Elegy. Oh, yeah. And mm. I saw that. that is the one that uh, Glenn Close is nominated for a Razzie and an Oscar. One of the few times that <laughs> yeah. someone's nominated for the same role. And uh, I think I lean more towards the Oscar crowd than the uh, sure. Razzie crowd. I thought she was fucking great. Um, this movie's getting a lot of hate. I thought it was pretty good. Not, I don't know if it's something I would necessarily say best picture or it's anything. A, it's but just a hard watch. So Yeah, yeah. And uh, I thought it was pretty good. I watched... Yeah. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is really fantastic. It's on Netflix. Um, definitely recommend that. And then uh, I watched Mank, and I watched it just as it was intended in four sittings because I couldn't sit through it in one sitting. So mm-hmm. sorry, David Fincher. You're probably <laughs> listening, I'm sure, and you're very upset that I've watched this in four parts. Uh, and let's see, I watched a movie that I have not seen for my podcast coming up called the devils on shutter. That one. Holy shit. Um, I will talk too much about it tonight because I'm doing a podcast tomorrow. I'm recording a podcast with another PFPN, uh, podcaster, uh, who picked this movie that you might know, Erica, of course, who who else would pick this movie? Um, so yeah, I, I, you can listen to my, (laughs) if you want to hear my deep thoughts on that one, I really did like it. And, uh, I'll be talking about it for a long time tomorrow, but, um, the final one that I really sort of wanted to bring up, I, it's a rewatch technically, but man, it felt like I had not seen this before. Um, and I wanted to get ready for, the new one coming out, I rewatched Godzilla King of the Monsters. Ooh. I missed this in theaters because it came out the same weekend as um, Snake Alley Festival film two years ago. Yeah. And I just, ne- I didn't catch it in theaters. And then I just caught, caught up with other stuff and hadn't seen it. I finally saw it last year at some point, but man, I must've either fallen asleep or been on like distracted by my phone or something. Cause this felt like a first time watch for me. Um, it was fine. I it actually sort of, um, doused my, um, hype a little bit. Like I'm not, I don't know. I was, I was very excited for Godzilla versus Kong. And now I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to watch it, but uh, I did not love King of the Monsters. I thought all the human parts really sucked, but I thought the monster battles were good. Not great either. But um, yeah, I'm hoping that throwing Kong in there makes it a little more exciting for me. So yeah, that's what I've watched. Very cool. All right, then. Gentlemen, start your Twitter engines. It's time for <laughs> Pole Position with Jason. 
now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of pole position. Hey everybody, pole position time. Hey, let's take a look back, all the way back to episode 230, that was a couple ago, and we asked, what's your favorite Tom Savini effect? Remember that one? Oh, how could I forget? Well, let's look at them results. Oh my gosh, Mike, you didn't come in last place. Uh, but that does. But that sounds like I didn't come in first either. Uh, that's true. I did. I came in with forty-two percent of the vote. You had Rhodes, right? Rhodes. Yeah, it was unfair. I got the Rhodes, but you got second place. With better the, to have the Rhodes than the runs. That's that's that old saying for a reason. <laughs> and then yes, Ted and Andy tied for last, seventeen percent of the votes. It was a good one though. Tom Savini, love. Sorry you lost again. Man, and sorry you that, got hit by a car. Yeah, I was going to say, Ooh. sorry Tom Savini oh, yeah. got hit by a car. Yeah, yikes. And just looking ahead at 231's pole position. Ooh, I'm in the lead right now. Oh, But by the time this airs, it'll be over, so I can't really encourage you to go vote. Oh, but looking at it, Mike's got 0%. What? <laughs> Which Zero was this? votes. He hasn't even voted for himself? No, because he has to get on Twitter for a minute. <laughs> Your Evil Dead poster. Oh. We'll see it. We'll see if he gets any votes. People don't like the Evil Dead movies. I, that's fine. Whatever. But anyway, let's get on with this episode's poll position. The question is what is, in your opinion, the most fashionable killer? Killer, killer, killer. And so I, we were talking ahead of time a little bit that there's, uh, you know, there's room for interpretation in this. Not necessarily always bad guys, but killers, people who kill in movies, and their dress sings. Hey, Mike, you're first. <laughs> well, to know me, oh. you would think I would go with Jason Voorhees on this, but I'm not. Right, as, it's a jumpsuit. As iconic, well, as iconic. The sack, as, sack head would be more fashionable, the overalls. <laughs> as iconic the as the as the as iconic as the hockey mask is the rest of his outfit is not consistent at all through the entire series no. so sorry jason i love you but you know get a better wardrobe i'm going to go with pinhead from hellraiser <laughs> you got the black leather that's, that's how i thought you started with if you guys know me oh, you uh, know i'm going to you know, you know i'm all about fetish. the black leather yeah. that's right. <laughs> got the pins in the head i mean that's that's a that's a leather and chains. That's insane, Mike. Yeah, yeah, it is a great look. I can't wait to see how many votes you get. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go next. Well, is he's not necessarily a bad guy, but man, what a sharp dressed man Peter Vincent is from Fright Night. Oh, when he gets time to go out, he gets that super suit on with his little half cape thing and his <laughs> little bag of tricks. Man, he looks good. That's that's my pick. What about you, Tad? Well, I almost went with Patrick Bateman. I actually even posted in our in our oh, group wow. chat that I was picking Patrick Bateman, but I deleted it after I thought of my uh I changed my mind. I, I found a better pick and I'm going with David from The Lost Boys. I think the the sort of um mullet, spiky mullet he's got. <laughs> he's got the cool French leather coat. jacket. Yeah, I mean he's got everything. The motorcycle, just all of it together. What a look. Um, yeah, and it's very that that whole movie, I mean, if I could pick um, Corey Hames character. He wears that like long trench coat that's made of like a Native American blanket or some shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, holy shit! That whole that movie is a very bold uh, fashion movie. I'd say 
but the frog um, brothers with the berets and the yeah headbands exactly and... but uh yeah i'm going with david from the lost boys all right and andy what about you um i have this is a little bit obscure but i have to go with toby from popcorn because he's got like he changes into like multiple outfits he's like a walking fashion show because he has to describe (laughs) he has to disguise himself you know you know he he, i mean he can even cross cross dress you know because he can be tina the class bimbo and um <laughs> he can even be uh like the teacher with like the rip off uh pamela Voorhees, you know sweater that he wears <laughs> and you know uh yes floppy here fl- old floppy eared uh toby with the sloppy craftsmanship <laughs> yeah um yeah toby from popcorn i love that scene too oh, when, yeah when he's in when he's got what's your face in the basement tied up and and he's going through his his makeup because that's just really cool like you said with the floppy ears when he's ear flopping the half mask on his face it looked <laughs> yeah. really good i was you're convinced that he's wearing a face on top of his face and also, he's got like at the end of the movie when he's trying to recreate that act. I mean, he's got like the the roughly you know uh, Jim Morrison shirt, whatever. <laughs> where, with and he's got like the vest and everything. He looks pretty sharp. He's a pretty snazzy guy. Yes, all good picks. Well, that uh, unfortunately Twitter only lets us put up four suggestions. But uh, Mark, now that we've uh, fully embarrassed ourselves on what we think is fashionable choices. What what would you say is, is your most fashionable killer? Well, I think Twitter is going to regret that they can only have four. <laughs> uh, and I'm going, I'm going to uh, steal the thunder here. Number one, I think Eileen Warnos looks ravishing in orange. And I, <laughs> But I think the ultimate fashion icon in horror is Freddy Krueger because he designed his own glove that he utilized to kill people. So for me, I think Freddy Krueger is definitely iconic. And I love Pinhead from Hellraiser and all the Cenobites. Um, You know, they look like a Rick Owens fashion show. So (laughs) all good choices. Yeah, I am shocked that Freddie didn't make it. Yeah, so I am too. It's definitely, it's you're right, pick. it is an iconic, probably the most iconic look. I think you could just show somebody that sweater and you know, know normies could tell you who that sweater belongs to. Wait, let me ask you guys just a random question. So, you know, like how like the characters in horror movies, like let's just say the Cenobites in Hellraiser, right? They're wearing these like elaborate leather get-ups do you think there's like a cenobite store that they like shop at and there's like a salesperson that's like girl you should get that (laughs) yeah hot topic in like the late 90s yes yes (laughs) has to be a hot topic reference i'm imagining the department store in one of the movies we're going to talk about tonight that Mm -hmm. might be true well yes that It's time for Pole Position to be over. So get your butts over to Twitter, at AOTKP. Get your votes in on who you think picked right. And that's Pole Position. You guys ready to talk about some movies already? Yeah. Good. Let's do it with our topic of killer fashion. Andy, what is the first movie we're going to talk about tonight? Okay, our first film comes to us from Italy from 1964, directed by Mario Bava. It is Blood and Black Lace. (laughs) 
A house of high fashion, a dazzling whirl of elegance, of exotic, extravagant beauties. An adventurous journey into the devastating allure of the most sophisticated women and their intimate secrets. Suddenly, these lace curtains ignite a drama that will lacerate your emotions. Blood and black lace. Who is this shrouded, sadistic, sordid fiend who maims and murders? Why this bloodthirsty orgy, this holocaust of lives? Blood and black lace in bleeding color. Shattering, shivering, shocking experience. Okay, Blood and Black Lace. Uh, Isabella, excuse me, a young model is murdered by a mysterious mask figure at a sort of uh, fashion boarding house by, um, what's his name, Maximo? Massimo Morlachi. Morlachi. Sorry, I'm not Italian. Um, And his lover, uh, Countess Christina, when Isabella's boyfriend is suspected of her killing, her diary, which apparently has some incriminating evidence linking her to the killer, disappears. The mass killer begins killing off all the models in and around the boarding house to find the diary. Um, This is a uh, typical giallo of its time. You gotta have A, um, black leather gloves, check. And you got to have lots of different gelled colors in the lighting, which we saw with the the purple. Check. Murder. And murder, yes. Um, More like a uh, suspense movie to me, because I won't say the T word for Mike's sake. But um, (laughs) you're welcome. Uh, To me, the, the, the real money shot of this film is the killing in the, uh, um, the antique store because you have like the soft glow of uh the the blinking glow of like it says i think it said dancing on the on the sign it would blink and it would show through there and sometimes you would see the killer and every time it would you know the blinking would go off he he would disappear and it would just be like oh man where, where where's he at now and I really think Breathless Mahoney from uh, Dick Tracy took her cues from this movie so she could disguise herself this way in Dick Tracy. But, um, yeah, I really I really like this one. And especially um, mo- going back to the antique store, the kill in the antique store is eerily reminiscent of a movie Bava did four years previously in Black Sunday when that thing uh, slammed into uh, Barbara Steele's face. With the spikes, yeah. that's what that's what it reminded me of. Um, yeah, just lo- lots of uh, you know, and I think this is just due to filming at the time. Lots of saturated color, really, really vibrant, and uh, 
Greta can't drive for shit. She was more worried about being <laughs> murdered. I think she. I was more. I was like, "Are you sure you're even gonna make it home? Because you know you're probably gonna end up rolling that car." Um. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. Um. I. I don't have. I don't have much to say other than those. Those are the elements that I really, really liked. Um. It did. You know, for a movie as old as it is, I was surprised. It kind of really kind of kept me guessing towards towards the end. Um, just the the whole deal with the uh, the the notebook, you know, uh, found on Massimo, and just the red herring of you know two people being involved. I almost thought there was going to be two people involved, but I wasn't. I wasn't too sure. But then I was positive once I saw the uh, the notebook in the police station. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got. What do you guys think? Love it. Love it. Well, I'm a well, I'm a big Italian horror movie fan and I'm a big Bava fan. I I probably put Bava above Argento in my list of favorite. Wow. He, he's getting up <coughs> there for me too, like as I yeah. check out more of his stuff, um I'm I'm finding I really like his work. Yeah, and it's no surprise to anybody who knows my aesthetic for things that I would like this movie with all of the outrageous colors, just such a vibrant, lots of vibrant reds and blues and greens. And it's yeah, just, some, I just think it's gorgeous. Like you could put yeah. on at like a club without the volume, like without the sound, just on the screens for like background. And it's so beautiful to watch. Absolutely. And it just, That's or even just put it really, even just the lighting scheme, and the 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 way he lights certain scenes in general, like the beginning there, um, when the when the girls in the woods or whatever, and it's raining out and and the killer's coming after. Her, there's a really cool shot of this of just down this like path of this row of trees with this like it's just the light that's coming from the very far end of of this path that's just illuminating the lights or illuminating the, the fronts of the trees. And it's just, it's just a gorgeous shot. I mean, it's just something you would see in a, in a very beautiful painting in a museum or something. And that's, this is what I've always liked about, about Bava because he can, he can, you know, color his screen with these beautiful images yet still, tell a compa- uh, compelling story and use these techniques to tell his story. One of my favorite parts of this movie, it's a great Hitchcockian suspenseful moment in this movie where the one girl puts the diary in her purse, but then she has to go out on the runway and she sets the purse on the table. And with all the action that's going on in the background, that camera just sits on that purse for like three minutes forever mm-hmm. And you're just you're just watching people cross back and forth in front of this table, just waiting for somebody to reach in and grab this purse, and then and to the point where, when it finally comes off that comes off the purse, your focus is still a hundred percent on that purse because you know it's set up that somebody you know somebody's going to get try to get that diary out of that purse, so you're trying to watch everybody in the scene surrounding that that shot. Um, and see who's going to try to get into the purse. And they, and he does a really neat misdirect without, you know, still like somebody got into that purse, but we're still not sure who it was. So, you know, that's one of my favorite um, moments of the whole movie, but 
it's just it's great classic bava i mean i don't know what the heck that um bear claw devices that he was using to carve up latest <laughs> yeah, I've never with. seen that. I've never seen that on like any kind of like suits of armor, but I'm I'm okay with it. I mean Oh it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. And it does some cool damage, but uh you know just what what the freak is it? But yeah. I mean nineteen sixty five, I love this time for film. And to me, this is probably more, man, maybe Bava in general is more of an aesthetic to me. Like, I just love the look, the feel, um, not like, I, I, I mean, of course he's a good storyteller too, because I mean, we're here praising how his film looks with all these lush colors, but he also made black and white films and they were great too. So it's cool that it shows that he's, he's great at what he does because he can do it with or without. Like, I think a lot of people, some, I've heard some criticisms of like Argento. Um, I've actually heard some hot takes where people say, you know, uh, that Suspiria is basically like color gels, the movie. Like there's, right. if you didn't, you know, <laughs> if it didn't have that, like it wouldn't work. But to me, this, this has like a really cool score. It has, like you said, some great shots. Like this is, this isn't a B movie. Like to me, this is really cool. And, and, you know, we've seen this formula a million times now, but this is 1965, you know, and yeah. at the time it wasn't completely overdone. And, uh, yeah, I just I, I love the aesthetic, I guess, of this movie more so than maybe the the film itself. Just uh, it's like fun, if, especially when I'm in the mood for something like this. It's just it hits all the uh, points for me. Totally agree. Um, there's just it keeps the so far we seem to have like a movie from the 60s, 70s shot on film, at least one in every batch. So. I don't know if you're doing that on purpose, but keep it going. I, uh, yeah, I'm 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 love, liking it, man. Um, old film. I enjoyed this because I thought it was very like fantastical, and I love me a good color gel. Um, the intro I thought was really unique. How they introduced all the different characters and the talent in the movie. Um, I don't oh, know yeah. if you guys. What I intro. thought that was really cool. I know. I was like, like that. They, just, credits, yeah. they just kept going from character to character to character yeah. with the dark color and the side. To side. Oh, it was neat. And then while we're talking about, you know, fashion, I really loved um, the actress. Her name is Claude Dantes. And she was the woman, the, the model with the shorter hair and like the really intense eye makeup. I thought mm. she was just like, really edgy and kind of cool for that time period. The bathtub lady. Yeah. And that drowning scene, I don't know. I was getting like diabolique vibes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 How does it hold up to the fashion world of today? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty similar, I'm guessing. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty cutthroat, you know? (laughs) Literally. Pun intended. Literally cutthroat. (laughs) With a leather glove. The killer himself, I, I, he's got that like sort of weird pantyhose type mask and the hat. Uh, that's sort of a fashion statement on its own. I could see that going down the runway. <laughs> well, like I wasn't sure if they were doing that intentional because like what pantyhose is affiliated and associated with. Right. Um, and I was like, is this intentional or is it just like a weird choice to distort the face? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. I think it's a cool look with the hat and the coat and everything. I feel like, I mean, don't quote me on this, but I feel like this is it's it's a look that's been ripped off a thousand times since. 
Um, can anybody say Rorschach from Watchmen? Anybody? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's why I mentioned Dick Tracy. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Blank, the blank, and Dick Tracy. Um, the question from DC Comics. Uh, oh yeah. You know, there's a lot of cool looks where it has kind of more of a, you know, like a gumshoe look to it with the hat and the coat, but it's just a completely blank face. This painted Italian poster that's on IMDb is gorgeous. Isn't like. It? Yeah, his yeah. face in it. Oh, I'm so seeing cool. it now too. Yeah, I, I want that poster up on my wall. That's cool. That's I. I think I mean, it wasn't it done intentionally in this movie, but I just there's uh, I I grew up with parents that you know collected a lot of that still do collect a lot of antiquey stuff and just like seeing all this old you know just like of course the clothing and of course you know like the hairstyles. Uh, yeah, yeah, and just the whole aesthetic of this of these of these movies, it's just like I'm 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 immediately drawn in, you know. And I see like these these old cars, you know, it's just like they this is when they were like rolling works of art, you know, you look at the dash, you know, and of course you see all the woodwork in the antique store and everything and it's just like I'm I'm instantly, you know, I like old electronics, you know. It's it's I just love just to see like all this old stuff and yeah, it's Everything, everything in this movie drew me in. Everything from like the architecture, you know, and just everything within it, and of course the colors and stuff like that. So, yeah, very cool movie. Very, very cool. And I'll, you know, uh, kick it up a notch with two words that makes this movie even cooler: Cameron, Cameron Mitchell. Yeah, right. I was just gonna say it's hard not to see him in there and not think he's gonna be involved. Yeah. Uh, you not be one of the bad guys, but <laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right, Jason, what's our next movie? Oh, guys, this next movie, brand new, hot yes. off the press. It's from 2020. Slacks. Ready. Hi there. And you are? Libby. You are here for the new collection turnaround. This is such an important night for us. A lot of people have been very keen to get their eyes on it. Jeans that automatically adapt to your body size. The Super Shapers! Lockdown activated. I want you to know I will do whatever it takes to make sure things go as scheduled. Oh my god. I'm so like totally excited I could just die. <laughs> should, should we call the police? We can't. We're in lockdown. What if there's a killer out there? Are you afraid there's a killer out there? Yeah. Get ready. For slacks. Okay, so we know two things. It loves Bollywood music, and it has a bindi on its forehead. Slacks. Small price to pay for an awesome ass. When a possessed pair of jeans begins <laughs> to kill the staff of a trendy clothing store, it's up to Libby, an idealistic young sales clerk, to stop its bloody rampage. Guys, I'm telling you what. This here's the thing. The <laughs> second 
that pair of pants moves. I'm like, fuck, that's the best. This is Mike's number one movie of the year. Uh, <laughs> done deal. It's done deal. I knew it. What's that supposed to mean? Oh, this, I wondered if you had done some writing on this movie or something. Canadian horror movie just came out. It's on uh, that really cool place called Shudder. Shudder! Should check it out. Uh, oh my gosh, this movie was awesome. What a blast. Like a, a stupid yeah. fun movie. Oh, was, oh yeah. But, it, oh, it's so good though. Because everybody plays it straight and that's what you need in a good horror movie. With an over-top comedy horror premise. Yes, I loved all the actors. The 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 new girl was cool. The boss guy. He was hilarious. Uh, Everybody was great. I loved the animation of the slacks. I loved how they made it look like a face, even though you're like, how can the hell they make that look like a face? And they make it look like a face. And just slurping up blood left and right. It's just ridiculous. And my goodness, how much fun is this? It's tons of fun. I had a blast with it. Of course, yes. <laughs> anytime, anytime you could take something ridiculous and an inanimate object and turn Calling it, it into now. a Mike's monster, number one. that, <laughs> that uh, um, I'm gonna love it. Yeah, uh, you know, just a killer pair of pants. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> so I, I have a question for uh, how many of us have worked retail before? Yep. Oh, me, obviously. Yep, I'm stuck in it. Right. Yeah, so what? Like, my wife was a retail manager for many years. I mean, many, many years, and she just recently got out of that. And she's like, "This is sort of traumatizing. Like, this is sort of like (laughs) this is too too close to home. Like, this feels like a real look at working what working retail's like." Yeah, a lot of these retail brands are kind of like a cult. It's really weird. And I'm like, I'm actually currently a retail manager for a fashion brand. <laughs> Big surprise. <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> girl, but, but anywho, it's like, they really want you to sip on the Kool-Aid. And when you don't, it's just like the beginning of the end for you. So I agree. This movie for the retail folk <laughs> is most definitely traumatic. Okay. But I, is- I pick up on that too, being in retail as long as I have, but I have not worked um, clothing retail. So I don't know if it's a, if it's a different beast as far as that goes, but yeah, the scene where it really felt cultish, I thought was a great satire of, of, you know, Hey, you know, corporate America buying into the corporate, you know, uh, corporate world and to an order to, uh, keep your job. My, I just have one question though. The, the one thing that I didn't bother me, but I'm like, just it made me question it. Um, because I just didn't, believe that it could be real i and i understand it to a point but the lockdown thing that's that was that was the vice that was the thing with me too that's like is no, that, no 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 stores gonna i get do the that. street date thing of you know some retail things i just the fashion part i get it and i believe this youtube girl that i want i'm so happy she died <laughs> yeah i believe that i know those people are real but is the lockdown is that well, how they far have does to it give go it, they no. have to give it something no. I, I know kinda, that I know. lockdown is like a huge HR issue. Right. Huge, yeah. You right. couldn't lock yeah, your employees in without it, without letting so them go. It's fine. And if the, they're locked in overnight, you know, <laughs> you know, OSHA might be concerned too. If these sure. people are getting breaks, yeah. and you know, if you can, you know, take clock out for a break, you should be able to leave to- for your break. Totally not saying it a, took me out or anything. Bit of a fire anything, hazard, but, perhaps. But yeah. it just made me there's, go. There's oh, that too. Yeah. You know, well, no, I'm with you though. I, that 
you didn't know, bother me, but bother it bothered me a little bit. I just felt like, eh, could you maybe have yeah, thought of maybe a little, something. be a yeah. little more, uh, <laughs> think it through you a little bit more what? on how people could not get out of this situation instead of just, oh, we're going to lock down the store. Uh, and I, then I, in the middle of the night, <laughs> the, the head of the company shows up for this thing. And then even later in the night, the, the YouTube girl shows up. And they're just locked down overnight until they open the Why next is it morning. Particularly this store, well, they, they act like it's well, the only damn store they have. No company head or CEO is going to go to a damn retail store <laughs> at twelve o'clock at night. <laughs> I can assure you. But also, too, back to your point with the lockdown. I mean, maybe it's like the same universe as Chopping Mall. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. But also, too. No corporation is going to pay that much payroll when there's no money to be made with everybody trapped in in the store overnight. That's true. That's true. Yeah, they'd be extremely understaffed for a what, big event. You talk about what bothered you. What what didn't bother me is watching a bunch of self-absorbed, vain assholes get killed. <laughs> that, I, I love that part of this movie. Um. I think it speaks a lot about, you know, just, well, I guess vanity, you know, it's just like what people do, you know. Consumerism, capitalism. Yeah, exactly. It does speak a lot about that, yeah. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I love, I mean, it actually tells you, it actually tells you something like that. It, it, It sends a message, but it also at the same time, you know obviously does not take itself too seriously we're talking about a killer pair of <laughs> denim yeah um but it's but it's like you said it's just like it's it's so much fun this was actually a second viewing for me because i was able to see it earlier this year because i was part of a uh, film festival but uh yeah i jumped right in the second time because i loved it the first time i saw it and loved it even more the second time i saw it so Things are obviously exaggerated. Um, you know, again, we're talking about a movie about a killer pair. pair yeah, of it's pants. Car- caricatures of, <laughs> but, of people. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a pretty bold satire on on the retail word world and consumerism. Um, you know, like one of the scenes that m- made me chuckle a lot was the new girl. You know, um, you know, they're telling her that she's got to wear clothes that uh, they sell in the store. And she's like, I am. And like, well, when did you buy those? Like a month right. ago. Well, that was like so three years ago. Yeah, <laughs> Go buy right. some new clothes. And then she goes and buys new clothes so she can wear them for work because that's company policy. But then they won't let her use her discount because it's not midnight yet. And yeah, she's technically, she technically not work employee her. yet. Yeah. Guys. That's very, very right on the nose. When, when, when those pants uh, get a body, I just... I couldn't look at that mannequin that without the mannequin head. Yeah, the mannequin thing was awesome. Oh my it's, god! It's so cool that they made like a <laughs> it, 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 what they didn't just stop at like uh, uh, killer pants. Like they yeah. had a deep backstory that was pretty dark <laughs> for and, real. Yeah, and yeah, sad. Solid. You know, suddenly I'm yeah. feeling fucking sorry for a pair of goddamn pants. Like, <laughs> why am I feeling sympathy for these jeans? This is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but you did. That's a, yeah. I did. Yeah. I was <laughs> the yeah. fact that they, the fact that they made it effective is even more amazing. So you know, yeah, yeah. Props to them. I I haven't worked retail um, in twelve years now, so I uh, am I, those feel those those like thoughts and feelings are gone out of me. But I definitely can sort of feel like the clicks within the store. I remember that from retail. 
uh, you know, you, there's just certain people that don't get along within mm-hmm. the store and the, the some oh, of the yeah. upper upper people, you know, they have their own goals that they have to reach. So, you know, it, it's it's very, um, like Mike said, exaggerated, but a lot of it holds very true. And I think anybody who's worked retail uh, that watches this will definitely uh, feel a little bit of that, like, oh, shit, this is a little little too close to home. And boy, oh boy, was there blood. Yes, yes, there was. Yeah, lots. Loved it. When they put that uh, employee in the box with like his head severed and stuff, <laughs> it opens the box. It, it, I did, and I loved watching through the credits where they showed how it was done. That's so yeah. cool. Like the mm. the green suit and uh, yeah. Yeah, Brandy and I watched it. I don't know why we didn't stick around for the credits, but I totally, totally missed it. Totally missed it. But yeah, Brandy and I just had a blast with this movie. It was awesome. Yeah, and Lord's <laughs> death was is is funny because the way he keeps seeing saying you know screaming and saying oh my god he's just and he's absolutely freaking out he's yeah get totally getting coated in blood really good stuff. <laughs> I just remember looking over to Tina throughout this movie and she was just <laughs> uh, I mean it was like an eye roll but like it was clear it was directed at Mike just like what is what is he making us do. <laughs> I, I just uh, want to say, so, I did not program this episode. This no, I know. fully based on, but was it Ted, everyone knows that this yep, is. Yep, I'll take credit. Uh huh. <laughs> Thank you, Ted. Thanks, Ted. <laughs> this movie was a oh, lot of okay, fun. Okay, great. You get thanked. And, <laughs> yeah. and the conversation started, what is making, making us do now? Okay, yeah, I see how it is. You're always getting tossed under the bus, dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so then let's move on then. Um, Tad, what's our last movie? Our last movie is In Fabric. A purchase on a horizon? Just looking, thank you. The hesitation in your voice, soon to be an echo in the recesses of the spheres of retail. The dress is your image onto what you project through an illusion. I'm just going on a date. I don't normally wear this kind of thing. Be bold. Your date will compliment you. I would like you to announce the numbers to your telephone. 01632 960 and 786 and 6 and stop. As promised. Thank you. You look different. Oh my God, what's that? That looks nasty. Maybe just the washing powder. I hope it isn't catchy. How's it going, Sheila? Everything's fine. What happened to your hand? Washing machine went bananas. You who wear me will know me. What's that supposed to mean? It's just a cheap bit of mystery. I think something's wrong with that dress. Don't tell me you're scared of a dress. The dog ripped it to pieces. Spanking spank you almost. Such a pretty dress. Anything nice in the sales? Just a dress. 
Okay. In Fabric, released in 2019, is about a lonely divorcee visits a bewitching London department store to find a dress to transform her life. She soon finds a perfect artery red gown that unleashes a malevolent, unstoppable curse. This is like a blend of the first two movies. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. about a killer garment, yeah. but it definitely has the look and style of a 60s, 70s type um, Italian movie. Uh, this is such a weird blend. I've seen this one before. Uh, I really enjoyed it both times. It's it's a, another movie that's a lot of aesthetic more so than storytelling because it gets a little um, gets in the l- weeds. muddy for me yeah. at times. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, wait, what's going on? Because um, spoiler alert. I mean, we we follow this uh, th- this woman through it, um, Sheila, throughout the first like three fourths of the movie, and then she's just it's it. Then we just move on to another. It's, it's yeah, story. it's very abrupt. It's a very yeah, abrupt it's stop. like. So it's like, yeah, we're done with her. Okay. Um, but it's, you know, the, the store that she shops at and finds this red dress at is like the highlight of the movie to me, the, the people that work there, the people that run it, the witches like, this is, this is like a mix of like Suspiria with, um, I mean, I get a lot of Bava and Argento vibes in here, not just from the colors, but That's the music, uh, you know, just, Oh, it's, it's a dash it's, of a 24. Absolutely. And it is a 24. So right. it makes sense. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to hear what you guys think. This I think this one might be the one that uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm more interested to hear what Mike, I think. <laughs> yep, you should see. He's the one on, right. I, I'm curious to hear what he thinks because I, I have a feeling I know what everyone else thinks about this. Well, I'll go last then. Well, that means it's bad. Just go, somebody. Um, Here, I'll okay. go. Oh. No? Oh, by, by all means. Go ahead, Mark. All right, so... Um, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. It was my favorite out of the three. Um, I like the first half more um, than the second half. But for me, I just, you know, considering that I come from like a fashion retail background, the way that the woman shops in this movie is no longer the way that people shop anymore. And I just adore the creepy saleswoman who talks funny. (laughs) To the point where I'm actually, I would like to talk like that at work. Um, (laughs) Announce the numbers of your telephone, you know, but like that, like that type of old school retail is dead. And she even made a, um, a point. So there's a quote that she says in the film where she says the hesitation in your voice soon to be an echo in the spheres of retail. And it's the truth. Like no one's really shopping in the stores anymore. Everything is online and digital. So I thought that was kind of like a unique perspective and just the visuals on this, I thought were really like fantastic. Like I'm a huge Dario Argento fan. So anything that's highly stylized, I'm just going to like eat up. Um, but did you guys recognize that like weird bank tube payment situation right? that they had? Yeah, I was fascinated by that. I thought that was kind of cool, really. Yeah. Just I've never seen a store do that. No. I just wonder if there has ever been a thing like that, you know, because Obviously, big department stores back in the day had some kind of tube mailing system. You, you see that in other movies like Elf and whatnot. But but to take payment that way, I don't know. I, I'm just wondering if this 
throughout this whole movie, I'm wondering how much is this like its own very weird skewed universe and how much of it is disconnect from, you know, from, uh, from the, from European countries or whatever, or even if they're emulating things from retail past or what have you. Yeah. It's like not really like, it's hard to even pin it down to a time. It's like, it's new, but it's old. Uh, the transitions from scene to scene with like random magazine cutouts and catalog cutouts with like jarring music that we heard in the trailer, like just some really um, bold choices that I think is are really cool. And um, I, I'm sorry for making you watch this one, Mike, because I, I know it's coming. <laughs> you um, know what I'm going to say. I I I want to lobby for more uh, middle-aged women having fist fights and department stores <laughs> because that was the funniest <laughs> damn thing. Absolutely loved it, down to the spitting in the face and the slapping. Oh, that was, oh, yeah. was just gold. Dude, was awesome. that, now that is more fitting to retail today. I'll say that can really happen. That still does happen. <laughs> um, just you know, throws her cinnamon bra on the on the ground. Oh God, that was awesome. Uh, as for like the the way the lady talked, I mean, I don't know if somebody like did that to me, like said that to me, there'd be like an Andy shaped hole in the wall. I would freak out <laughs> if somebody talked. <laughs> she's like coming up to me. If she came up to me and said, "Oh, this uh, T-shirt will help you take you through the labyrinth that is your subconscious," and you know, like, lady, I'm here to try on clothes. What? What? You space cadet? What? But what you're you you're doing? also not shopping for high end dresses for uh, an important date. Like this, I mean, well, it used to be like you'd go in and i guess in your case you'd be going and looking for a nice tailored suit and they and the guy would come okay, up okay like, fair enough yeah put you in front of a mirror and measure you up and down you know and and make and, and tailor it to you like like mark uh, was yeah. saying like that that she was world of retails, her, i guess yeah you know. that world of <laughs> it was more of like course personalized right yeah um I I've, I I thought mannequins were damn strange when I saw a maniac, <laughs> but I'm never gonna look at a mannequin the same way again. Oh no! Wow. Yeah. Okay. N- Nikki comes downstairs and lays down oh, right before that scene. I'm like, God, oh, why? Oh why? no! Oh no! They always come in at the worst times, you know. It's That's like, all right. I'm trying to watch this, and my my son is playing video games on the floor. I'm watching it on my laptop and he's on the floor on the other side of the room. All I'm thinking is just, please don't stand up and turn around right now. Yeah. Let's, I don't know. Let's, I don't, I don't, what what was that scene? Even I'm, I'm having a hard time here guys. Like, why are you finger banging a hairy bushed mannequin with blood in it? And while some other guy is, you know, pulling his pud and I, yeah, I'm 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 lost. I it's mean, art. It, it's how, art, Andy. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. But well, did everyone can, else have I, like that five seconds of like, did did I just see that? Did <laughs> I? Is that what I? Yeah. Yeah. I saw. That's that. what really happens in these stores, though. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the ones that I manage. <laughs> then there'll definitely be an Andy-shaped hole in the wall. Make those like, sales. Oh, you can. When she takes off her wig, like for the first time, that's a little like uh, shocking. Like, oh shit! Like she's bald. She's, it reminded me of the witches. Well, she's actually, yeah, yeah queen mannequin bit. lady. Well, yeah, yeah. that's what it is, right? All yeah. those employees are the mannequins, right? Right. I think so. Oh, 
Yeah. And that, because, I mean, obviously the mannequin, you know, she was doodling, um, <laughs> was Wasn't a becoming more right. real life right. as yeah. she fondled the mannequin. When you're um, short-staffed at work, you can just, uh, right. that's a magic trick. That's some advice, you know, just put your <laughs> mannequin on its back, uh, have your way with it, and you have a new employee. And, and it'll grow pubes, too, apparently. <laughs> and, and again, I'm assuming that's what it was, because you don't see it through fruition. Like, you're waiting, I'm waiting <laughs> for that moment of that mannequin to then stand up and resemble all the other employees of the store to, to you know, cinch it that... That is what I'm watching. That that is the purpose of the scene. But they draw the scene out really long and then just move on to something else without any resolution of what I'm watching. God, I, it's hard to even like the scenes where like the washing machine's going wild and yeah. it like smashes well, her hand. Like oh, that's shit, because you know? the dress turns into a brick once once it becomes washed. But yeah. then it's like always oh, perfect. She gets attacked by a dog and then, you know, it's not ripped. And it's like, you guys aren't seeing this. Come on. Like every bad thing that's happening to you is going back to that dress. Pay attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is again, shocker, but I loved it, man. It's a 24. It's, it's like a, I get a new Argento movie. It's just bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre, bizarre. It doesn't make sense. I mean, it does, but it doesn't like, how is it any different than any Argento movie? Really? It doesn't make sense. It's so dripping with Italian style, fucking awesome, and the score is amazing. I've had the score forever, and I had I don't listen to scores before I watch the movie, and now I'm I so excited I can finally start listening to the score. It's amazing, and I, and I agree with what you said. Uh, my least favorite part was definitely the losing the main character halfway through. I mean, I was bummed. They're like, oh, uh, what? That's that sucks. And yeah, like it took a while Nick, to get over that. Well, but. Nikki was sort of like half watching it while she was like, you know, scrolling on her phone, like just hanging out while I was watching it. And like, she like looks up and she's like, "Is that what? Who's this guy? Like, <laughs> Good question. what's going on?" And I'm like, uh, "She's yeah. like they they established this like woman. I really cared for her. Yeah. Like, she's a single mom who yeah. was having issues with her son who she thought was being like who's dating this this girl who she thought was being disrespectful, but actually the dress was just making things worse and." Uh, yeah, it's like I really cared for her and I really was rooting for her to find somebody who was nice and good and she finally sort of does and then it's like, oh, we're we're on this guy now? That's that's a little... Yeah, okay. I'm intrigued to, to see what to, why that choice was made story-wise, if there was a reason or not, you know, from any commentaries or whatnot, but man, yeah, what a beautiful trip. Huh, I wonder what mm. Mike thought. That was my biggest problem with this movie. Sure. Is that whole switch to another set of characters, which could have been cool. If if this movie was meant to be more anthology-like and just seeing and the been. movie going from, or the dress going from owner to owner, that could have been cool. But I was so invested in the first half, and the first half is so much the majority of this movie, because like <laughs> what... The uh, the second story with the second couples like what forty minutes tops out of a over two yeah. hour movie, so I was not I could not get invested at all in the second half of that or you know of the movie with that couple did not care anymore at that point. Um, that's where the movie really I think lost me. I mean I was into it because it has everything 
you know, that I would love, you know, that Italian flair, like we talked about, you know, it's got, it's got crazy colors. It's beautifully shot. It's get, it's, um, the score is amazing. It's got a lot of weirdo set pieces. <laughs> um, you know, I loved listening to that clerk a lot too. And I felt like, I don't know if, if, if you guys felt this way too, but the more scenes she had where she's talking to to this lady, the more incoherent she became. Yeah, like, I thought that too. By the end of it, I'm mm, like, I'm not understanding better. a freaking... She's speaking English, but all I the just, words combined don't make any sense. So <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one that, oh, that, yeah. that felt that way. Um, it's like a fortune cookie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh you know, because I, I, yeah, I was really invested in the, the in the woman. Everything was just off and weird in this movie. Oh man! Um, you, you know, even when she got sat down with her employers and they're asking her about her dreams and taking notes, I'm like, what? What, what does that have to do with banking? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's like it's set in its own world. It really, yeah, is. which which I can appreciate. Um, I just for me, at the end of the day, I felt it was a little little too slow for me. Um, and it just, and, um, and even still I was into it all the way up until it switched stories. And then I was just like, uh, at that point I was done. I mean, I liked the conclusion, the ending of it. Um, again, if it was an anthology film that, that ending would have like been way more amazing, you know, with the, the sales clerk going down that dumb waiter and just watching everybody that has been affected by this dress, sewing new dresses and each different deeper. That was a cool level. Yeah. I think it would have been cooler again. If it if this was like a straight, if we got maybe like three, three or four stories of different people with this dress. And then that would have been the ending. It's just a weird anthology. Yeah. Um, I liked, I liked uh, the movement of the dress. You know how it wasn't it was photographed. Get well. up and get up and walk around yeah. like in slacks. It was there was uh, some natural carried flow to it. Yeah, where you could just write it off as being carried by the wind. Exactly. Like when it at the end when it falls on the heater, you're like, oh, this is just a dress falling on the heater. But you know, it's it's the dress landed on the heater on its own. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's okay. It's it's probably one, not one I'm gonna <laughs> revisit. Is that what you were expecting, Tad? I was. Oh no, it's better than I thought. I was yeah. like, this might be a little too uh, weird. Uh, not even too weird. I mean, Mike Mike is I weird, know, but uh, it's just <laughs> a little too um, pretentious. Maybe I would think. Uh, yeah, I definitely get that. Vibe. I definitely get that out of it too. It does feel a bit on the pretentious side, you know, art for art's sake. You know, I, I love, I love weird as much as the next guy, but I still have to have, you know, I still have to have something to connect to. And even if it just is like one, a, a straight narrative story, you know, uh, with a three act structure or what have you, um, for me to connect to, you can give me weird all day long, you know, and then and this movie definitely breaks those rules, I think. Didn't hate it, but didn't love it. Any final thoughts from Mark, our fashion expert? Um, well, it makes you wonder, like, do you guys think that a garment could be cursed? Hmm. 
I am not a believer in like supernatural stuff. Not I think, me either. but I, but then again, like sometimes I have my own superstitions. Like, sure. oh, I, wo- I wore this shirt the last three times a, a team won, so I should probably wear it again just for consistency. And <laughs> yeah. it's stupid, but it's like that's the same thing, right? Kind of. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess uh, same it flips the opposite direction probably for most people of like having lucky clothes instead of cursed clothes. It's funny that you guys put this episode like idea together around this time because I literally just finished making a garment that's supposed to be cursed. Oh. And I have used actual dirt that is from a tree in New Jersey where a lot of people were killed. Um, and if you touch this tree, you'll like die an awful death. So of course, um, you know, my gay ass goes there with a little <laughs> shovel and takes dirt I and it's like, an Ooh, I'm gonna, I see an opportunity. So it's, um, <laughs> I'll send you guys pictures. It's made out of, um, cool. like transparent vinyl and the dirt is layered inside of it. So the dirt, kind cool. of, and if you wear it, you'll die. It's oh, to die oh, for. No, not, oh. not literally. <laughs> Don't go to HR on me, please. <laughs> if, that, if that thing starts moving at night, dude. Yeah. Look out. Yeah. All right, then. Well, and so it seems we have come to the end of this topic. I feel like we really addressed it oh geez but seemed i just now got it <laughs> don't lord slip away <laughs> just yet there's still more show to come we're going to take a quick break to hear about our podcast network the prescribed films podcast network um or the pfpn uh the pfpn has over 20 shows on the network including our newest show cracktastic plastic woo, 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 woo. i hear that's a pretty cool one that's all right. Check it out and all the other shows on thepfpn.com. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Jason, what is Cracktastic Plastic? Oh, man, it's this really cool show. It's uh, me and my bandmates from X-Ray Mary. We... uh while we were out touring in our band across the country, we realized that we all love collecting toys, toys from our youth, your classic G.I. Joes and Masters of the Universe, He-Man stuff and Transformers. And and over over time, we realized that we were spending more time looking up toy stores in the next town than where we should actually be going to play the show. <laughs> And I mean, there was even, I mean, we booked tours around toy stores eventually. <laughs> and uh, we even got four toy stores in one day going from show to show. It was, we, it's getting insane. And, and so post pandemic, uh, you know, we haven't been able to play for a while. And this is just a, a chance for us because we haven't stopped talking toys 
Um, but this is a chance for us since we can't play right now is, is to, to get together and talk about toys and it's uh, been a lot of fun. Hopefully people who don't even collect can listen, but uh, check it out, please. Cracktasticplastic.com or thepfpn.com. Nice. I will check it out. You should. We've been talking on and on and on. So now it's time to hear from you guys. Here's Jason with shout outs. It's time for shout outs. So the thing about the shout-outs this week is I should have been more clear with my question. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, it's it's not that people didn't get my question. They just all answered it wrong. I don't mean wrong. <laughs> I just mean they answered there it differently. No wrong than, answers. I know. I agree. Well, okay. Well, first, how did you pose the question? I said, what are your favorite horror movies with killer dot dot clothing? Okay. See, we knew it was about, but then people just started... P- well, we'll get into it, but at least first here with uh, Don and Nelly, he's he he got it right away, and he said, "I don't know too many. There's obviously Slacks and, and In Fabric, Woo. but I can also remember a South Korean adaptation of The Red Shoes about a that was the name of the movie, The Red Shoes about a haunted pair of ballerina slippers that force whoever wears them to become haunted by the ghostly original owner." Before hacking off their feet to get away from the ghost. That sounds awesome. That does sound cool. As well, you also have the Argento-directed episode of Masters of Horror, Pelts. Oh, yeah, Pelts, yeah. um, About a cursed mink coat that forces whoever that puts it on to tear their skin off. Wow. I don't think I've seen that one. These are all that come to mind at the moment. Thanks, Don. Thank you, Don. Is Pelts good? Pelts yeah, is, I Pelts is good. Yeah. I preferred his I Argento's um, earlier Masters of Horror. Did episodes. he do Jennifer? Yeah, Jennifer. Oh, yeah, I yeah. love. That's probably one of my I favorite Master of Horrors episodes. We should we should do a Masters of Horror episode. We should. Yeah, there are twenty of them. Uh, next up, Attacker Brett Royer. He says Prom Night Two for horror, bed knobs and broomsticks for non horror. That ending is still awesome. And then he posted a picture. You know, I'll give it to him. Okay. Because doesn't like, or wait, maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. Doesn't like the prom dress kind of come to life. It does kind of, does in it? Her, Hello, Mary. And she's coming back. Yeah. And then in Bed Noms and Broomsticks, you got the clothing of the, of the, what was it, the soldiers or whatever. That's what he put a picture of on horseback. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Uh, then we got Eric Ian Steele. He says, does a chainsaw hand count? I mean, as far as an outfit goes, that's a cool outfit. That's a great accessory. More of an accessory. Yeah. Uh, Attacker Rod Hutchinson says, oh, and this is such a good one, 2014's Clown. <gasps> oh, what yeah. a, that's great, a great that's answer. That's definitely one. God, that yeah. movie's awesome. All the father wanted to do was make his kid's birthday memorable. Jason's Bornick says, Freddy has always had style. That's right. Heck yeah. And then he goes on to say, no one beats the Cenobites for style and deadliness. That's right. No one. That's right. Don't forget to vote on Uh Twitter, poll position. Besides maybe that dude from Tetsuo, the Iron Man, who turns into an actual Mm. human weapon. Yeah. Then we got our pal Brian Clark. He says, sort of clothing adjacent. 
but the 1996 German slash Swiss co-production Killer Condom is a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) It has some production design by H.R. Geiger. It can't. He's got to be making that up. No, he's not. We covered it at some point back when I was on the show. What? I I must have missed that episode, thankfully. Goodness <laughs> gracious. Yeah, it was released in the States on Troma. On trauma. Um, and I think, I, can, I never say his name. The guy who made the Necromantic movies. Um, oh, yeah. I think he worked on the special effects for the film, too. Uh, over on our Facebook group, we got Brian J. Gonsal says, great idea. Well, that's not an answer, Brian, <laughs> attacker Brian. Of course it is. <laughs> we, we got to hang out with Brian last weekend, and like he got to hear all our other suggestions for killer things, and he starts watching Killer Sofa and sending me pictures of shit. And yeah, like, yeah. I hope you're happy, guys. We all went out to dinner, and Brian was throwing out a lot of great suggestions for episodes. Great. I don't know about great. So, and killer <laughs> this. Killer that. So just, killer this. So just think, people out there. You two could be an attacker and maybe one day have dinner with That's the right. crew That's right. new tier coming up podcast. soon. Uh, we got Chris Anderson says, As someone who still lives in Iron Maiden shirts and ripped jeans, just about any 80s horror movie will qualify. But I'll show my nerddom and say trick or treat 1986. Clothing-wise, fashion-wise, it's good. And if we're going oh, yeah. fashion-wise, then um, Attacker Carmen, uh, she uh, nails it. She says, Midsummer will have to be my all-time favorite costuming. The juxtaposition of the clean white and ornate colorful stitching, floral crowns, accents with the underlying darkness and dread hits it out of the park. Every detail is so artfully crafted. And she, yeah, she puts like 47 pictures here and... Um, couldn't agree more with that. What a what great costume design that movie. And I kind of like how this has devolved into just talking about, yeah. you know, outfits and costuming. Cause we don't ever really talk about that. We, we really don't. Well, we, we, we will talk about direction. We will talk about music. We will talk about every aspect there is in filmmaking on this show, but we've never talked about costuming. So this is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, until Mike Reeb comments, <laughs> I don't even <laughs> Uh, I, I guess it's about costuming. He says, the Reapster says, I remember yeah. the movie Arnold, where a guy got killed by a very 70s style suit, shrinking and constricting him to death. <laughs> no, that's great. I that's know. a great. Have we, we've re- talked about Arnold on the show, haven't we? I hope not. No, it's really a good movie. It's you true. always say that, and then no, we I'm end s- up watching <laughs> Killer Clown. Uh, not that. I meant Clown no, guys. It's. I'm serious. It's a very cool movie. You're always serious. Um, oh, my God. Listen. Just listen. <laughs> Um, it's got um, it's got your Peter Vincent in it, so there's suck it. All right, all right, Ron um, McDowell, sure. <laughs> but it's a really cool movie about this. Uh, it's a it's a it's a murder mystery movie. People trapped in this house murder mystery movie, where the killer is a dead man. Oh, yes. Basically, the the this this uh, the father of this family dies. They all come for the reading of the will or whatever, and they're all getting killed off one by one by the, by these traps and things that the, that the, the now dead father had set in this house. It's a really cool movie. And yes, there's this one scene where the guy puts on this suit and it starts constricting and strangles him to death. It's awesome. I have the feeling that it's going to be included in a new episode. Just 
Yep. Not great. Uh, we didn't have anything on Twitter, but over on Instagram, uh, we had Unsung Horrors. They're on the PFPN. Definitely follow those guys. They're great. Uh, they say In Fabric. Yes, of course those guys like it. <laughs> so good. Well, that's all we have for shout-outs today. Remember, you can always give us a call and leave a voicemail, and we'll play that voicemail on the show. You can call us at 415-952-6857. Shortcut is 41595AOTKP, and that's shout-outs. Thank you, Jason, for shout-outs. I, I feel like I, I feel the need to mention um, that I don't know if this counts or not, but what about like Invisible Man and Memoirs of Invisible Man? Because it looks like the clothing is very much alive. <laughs> Dancing around clothes, yep. <laughs> yes. Or uh, and uh, actually, for for the great wardrobe, I have to mention Sex Machine from uh, Dust Till Dawn, just for his like uh, his <laughs> his, his pocket balls, um, you know, revolver like cod piece or whatever it is. I think some of the best monster costuming of all time was in Life Force. Because <laughs> there isn't any. Because there's not much. Matilda May Her, wears nothing. The best birthday or? suit. That's right. So, just when you thought it was safe to listen to podcasts, here's Recasting with Christian Slater. salutations and welcome to another episode of recasting with christian slater where rules and logic don't apply insanity is pretty much thrown out the fucking window (laughs) this week we dive deep into the surreal like that's a fucking stretch as we explore david lynch's blue velvet as part of (laughs) the uh Fabric episode of prescribed films or some shit. It nothing really goes to plan anyway. So um, as always, I'll be reading the actions and stick around for a deleted scene that didn't make the cut. So reading the role of our nitrous oxide sniffing villain Frank is our series regular Don Knotts. How you doing tonight, Donnie? <laughs> I just want to go home. <laughs> don't we all moving on reading reading the part of ben direct from snake mountain is everyone's favorite evil overlord skeletor (laughs) yes i have returned to claim what is rightfully mine another evil role to show those insufferable boobs the attackers my true extent of power plus um is busey isn't here is he so glad you asked, Kelly. Reading for the role of Raymond, series regular, mainly because he refuses to leave, is Gary Busey. Oh, fuck me. I am at half mass for this one. <laughs> Slayer, it's not because Skelly's sexy, sexy eye sockets. Ew. Dennis Hopper 
particularly the character of Frank, is a true inspiration for me. In fact, I am in the method right now. I have been huffing nitrous since this morning. Your character doesn't even do nitrous in this scene. I know. I do nitrous for every role. Big surprise. Reading the role of our mild-mannered hero, Jeffrey, is cartoon icon Bullwinkle Moose. How you doing, Bullwinkle? Well, I'm in a small room with a purple corpse, a high-pitched man who appears to have been kidnapped, and from what I can tell, he's a complete psychopath with horse teeth. That's actually the first astute observation made on this show. Or it could be the morphine, I'm not sure. Never fucking fails. Let's get it over with. Scene 154. Uh, page 99. If I can find the damn thing. Okay, alright. Let's get this shit going. Frank bangs on the door on the first landing. Raymond joins him with a case of Paps Blue Ribbon beer. Hey, Bab! Open up! It's Frank! A tall, slender man with a smoking jacket and a mustache opens the door. It's Ben. His voice is very hoarse from, hoarse from years of smoking. Frank! Come in! Hey! I brought some friends and some beer! Fine! Welcome! Come sit down! The apartment is very large. All the furniture is overstuffed. In a room, there is a very much overweight woman dressed in black and a greasy-looking couple. On the couch is a young woman who plays with a large doll. Suave! God damn you are suave, you fucker! You want some beer? Certainly, Frank. Darling, get some glasses. We'll have some beer with Frank. Won't you sit down? Everyone kind of mills around. Paul sits down in a chair and starts laughing at some private joke in his head. Shit, Frank! Shit, ma'am! How the shit are you? Fine, Frank, fine. How are you? Fucking good! Real fucking good! You know this little tidbit, Dorothy, and this thing here? Is a neighbor! What the shit we're doing with the neighbor, I don't know. God damn. This is the suavest guy I know. Look at you. You're one beautiful fucker, man. I love this jacket and that cigarette holder of yours. Shit. That is too fucking much. Where's those glasses? This beer's gonna get too warm. I can't stand warm fucking beer. Make me puke. <laughs> Darling, where are those glasses? Oh, here they are. The big lady brings the glasses in and sets them on the card table. She looks worried. She gives a helping, pleading look to Ben. Raymond, where's the fucking beer? Right here, Frank. You want me to pour it? No, I want you to fuck it. Shit, yes, pour the fucking beer. There you go. I can still fuck it if you want me to. God damn it, Gary. Stop ad-limbing. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry. Continue. Good. Let's drink up. To your health, Frank. Shit. Let's drink to something else. Let's drink to fucking. Say here's to your fuck, Frank. 
If you like, Frank, here's to your fuck. Cheers. Frank's friends, Paul and Raymond, laugh. Cheers! Suave, man, you're so fucking suave. We love Bam. Here's the Bam. Frank slaps Jeffrey in the face. <laughs> hey, neighbor, here's the Bam. Jeffrey's stunned, grabbing his face. Here's the Ben. Do you see, Ben? I can make him do anything I fucking please. Ben goes to Jeffrey. Thank you, neighbor. Let me see your face. Did he hurt you? Jeffrey shows him. Oh, my. Suddenly, Ben slugs, slugs Jeffrey in the stomach. Jeffrey doubles over. Is that any better? Frank almost dies laughing. Everyone else joins in. Ben turns to Frank. <clears throat> Frank, I have something for you. Excuse us, everyone. Excuse us, Parpavore. Hey, let Tit see your kid. As Jeffrey tries to catch his breath, he sees tremendous emotion fills Dorothy's face. He rushes forward. Raven grabs her by the arm and takes her to the other room. Jeffrey hears her crying out. He hears a small boy. <clears throat> Frank comes back into, into Ben's living room. Okay, let's hit the fucking road. We're giving our neighbor here a joyride. Let's get on with it. Bye, Ben. You want to go on a joyride? Anyone? You? Dorothy rejoins the group. She's in a state of shock. Frank pinches her cheek. No smile for Frank? No? Okay, fuck it. Let's go. You want to come with, Raymond? Raymond has picked up the greasy girl. See you Tuesday, Frank. Right, Ben. Let's go. Fuck. I'll fuck anything that moves. As promised, here's a scene that didn't quite make the cut. Deleted scene, 149, page 97. Frank finally gets to where he's going, a corner bar, and skids to a halt. They all pile out. Frank grabs Jeffrey. Come on, I want you to meet a friend of mine, Raymond. Get a beer. One for Ben, too. Okay, Frank. What kind of beer do you like? Heineken. Heineken? Fuck that shit! Pap's Blue Ribbon! I'm so wet right now. God damn it, Jeffrey. Join us again, if you can stomach it, for the next episode of Recasting as Christian Slater. Next up is some show that Insane Mike does. I've really kind of given up at this point. <laughs> Thank you, Christian. For this Insane's Pick Hall of Fame, we induct an actor this time around, a man who was larger than life. This week, we induct wrestler and Edwood alumni, Tor Johnson. Tor Johnson was born, born October 19th, 1903 in Sweden. A large, bulking man, he started out as a professional wrestler. He would wrestle under the names of the Swedish Angel... A super Swedish angel and King Kong. 
His wrestling career was going great until one day Tor decided to take up acting. He started appearing uncredited or in bit parts in movies as early as 1934. <clears throat> uh, thanks to the movie Ed Wood, there has always been this misconception that uh, Edward D. Wood Jr. discovered Tor Johnson and started putting him in movies. However, Tor appeared in over 20 films and television shows uh, before ever appearing in any, in any Ed Wood movies. Uh, he appeared in such films as Road to Rio with Bing Crosby and Bob Hope, and even in Abbott and Costello in the Foreign in the Foreign Legion. Bride of the Monster was Tor Johnson's first film that he did with Ed Wood, where he portrayed Lobo, the mute, monstrous assistant to Bella Lugosi, who had a thing for Angora. Tor continued continued to work in movies before returning to the Ed Wood camp. In 1956, he was in the forgotten classic The Black Sheep, a film with an all-star horror cast such as Basil Rathbone, Lon Chaney Jr., John Carradine, and Bela Lugosi. Then, as fates would have it, it, Ed Wood would cast Tor once again in one of his movies in the classic 1957 Plan 9 from Outer Space. The movie, for better or for worse, that made both Ed Wood and Tor Johnson legends. In 1957, he was in the film Unearthly as Lobo 2. No, any relations? No, not really. Uh, even though he was named Lobo in this movie, it had no connections to Plan 9 or uh, to Bride of the Monster. Then Ed had Tor reprise his role as the original Lobo from Bride of the Monster in his film Night of the Ghouls in 1959. In that movie, Paul Marco, who often played Kelton the cop in Edward films, had a full load had a full load in a prop gun that he fired at Tor. Sparks hit Tor's arm, and by reflex, Tor hit Paul, knocking Paul unconscious. <laughs> Tor always felt bad about that, but uh, you know, hey, accidents happen, right? <clears throat> A friend and cohort of Ed Wood, also a writer, director, and producer in his own right, was Anthony Cardoza. Ed lived in an apartment in on Yucca Street, which was nicknamed Yucca Flats, and in 1961, Anthony cast Tor Johnson in a starring role in his low-budget monster movie, The Beast of Yucca Flats. This movie was filmed silent and had dubbed in sound effects, voiceover narration, and basically killed off Tor's movie career once and for all. However, Tor had somewhat of a TV career in the 1960s, appearing on You Bet Your Life with Groucho Marx, several appearances on The Red Skelton Show, and even doing a number of TV commercials. Don Post Studios did a life cast of Tor Johnson and would and would make one of their top-selling masks of all time using Tor's face. His cohort, his co-stars often spoke fondly of Tor, saying he was a warm and loving man. Uh, when he was a wrestler, he would, he would go and have drinks with his opponents after wrestling matches. Everybody just said that Tor was a gentle soul. Sadly, Tor Johnson died uh, May, May 12, 1971, in San Fernando, California, of uh, a heart ail- ailment. He was 67 years old. So, Tor Johnson, we love you as we induct you into Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. Hooray! 
You big lug. <laughs> and that's it, folks. That concludes another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And a special thanks to Mark for joining us. Mark! Thank you, Mark. Thank you. And don't forget to follow my podcast, Bizarre Buffet, on Instagram. And you could see my cursed fashion pieces on my Instagram at Mark Toriello. Awesome. That's a professional podcaster right there. I didn't even have to ask him to do plugs. He just went straight into it. That's Girl, a you know I'm going to plug. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. Well, thanks for being on, Mark. It was awesome getting to talk with you, and this has been a lot of fun, man. My pleasure. You guys are awesome. Oh, I thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody out there for listening, and until next time, we'll talk to you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh, no. Could this be the end of... Wow. Attack of the Killer Podcast